You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 21st. It is NBA Draft Day. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Here to here to have a conversation with Orlando Magic Daily Zone, Ricky Skricka about the NBA Draft. Ricky, the big day's finally here. Does it feel like Christmas in June? It does, and I have literally no idea what's going to be under the tree, so that, <laughs> that always makes it a lot more fun. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just like really, really excited. Yeah, and things are obviously picking up as they usually do this time of year with the trade talk. Uh, you got Kawhi Leonard on the market, uh, and there's always a, 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 an October surprise, if you will, uh, when it comes to the NBA draft. It is going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy night. Orlando, of course, picking with the sixth overall pick. They'll pick, also pick with the 35th and 41st overall pick. Uh, you released your big board a few days ago. I know you have a different perspective, uh, a little bit of a different big board than a lot of people do, um, putting Jaron Jackson Jr. at the top of your board. I think you had Luka Doncic second. I don't have it loaded up with me right now. But um, what what's the reasoning behind that? Why do you think that that, that that's how you rate? Uh, how, that's why you rate, why, why do you rate Jaron Jackson Jr. as the top guy in this draft? And, of course, I think the, the bigger question for Magic fans, if he is the top guy in the draft by any measure, how, what's the chances that he's there at six? So for me, um, with Jaron and Luca, I it's it's as close as you can get to a tie. Like, I think they're both just incredibly good prospects. It's really hard to separate them for me. I gave Jaron the slight nod just because, I mean, I think the combination of uniqueness, like floor and ceiling, is it's just it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, with the ball handling flashes he, he showed throughout the season, um, I think he can be really, really, really good. And if he doesn't attain that ceiling, he's still an immensely valuable player just as a guy who can protect the rim, switch one through five, like actually switch one through five, not theoretically, and also shoot threes. I think that's just ridiculously valuable right off the bat. Um, the likelihood of him being available, though, I, I, I mean, this draft is really really hard to predict so i i don't i i don't really have any great idea but um i'm leaning towards unlikely just because it seems like based on you know what people have been saying like what reporters have been saying that other teams have been thinking it seems like nba teams are relatively high on on him um so I'm I'm not expecting him to be there, but if he is there, you know, I'd, I'd snatch him up in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think he ended up there in the uh, fan-sided NBA uh, site editors, uh, site experts mock draft, uh, and I think I picked him as quickly as I could at that point. Um, like you said, like he seems to be the center that that fits this modern era a lot the best, where he's able to defend one through five. Uh, pretty comfortably with his athleticism and his length. Uh, he's got a, an offensive game that allows him to play out on the perimeter a little bit, and I think he's shown some signs that that he can shoot the ball a little bit. But obviously, he's very, very raw. I think he's the youngest player in this draft class, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so obviously, a lot of room to grow. You're you're, bet, you're betting on potential, and and Jeff Waltman, I think, even said on Monday, you know, we're not going to take, we're not going to uh, to, to to pick a guy thinking oh we need someone that's going to going to play immediately we need someone 
uh, who's who's going to make an impact now. They're, they're willing to take another project and take another guy uh, that that could take a little while to to make an impact on the floor. Um, if that's the best player on their board, and, and I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is certainly there. Um, Luka Doncic here, your number two guy. You, you touched on him a little bit. I'll ask the same question again. What are the odds that he falls to six? And there's a few few rumors circling about circulating about about Doncic as well. But um, what what is it about him that that has that 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 should have him number one? Which I agree, he should be the number one pick. Um, and what is it about him that that seems to have have people doubting him and have him slipping a little bit on on draft boards? I have no idea why people doubt this kid just because I don't think there's a lot more that he can really prove about how good he is. I mean, he's done it on multiple stages. He's done it against NBA athletes and NBA competition, whether it's in Eurobasket or even even in EuroLeague. There are NBA players or former NBA players there. There are former college athletes. I mean, it's clearly a higher level of competition than uh, NCAA Division One basketball is. So I don't it's kind of baffling to me. I, th- I think a lot of it is just risk aversion from like NBA decision makers. Like they don't want to be like viewed in the future as that guy who took this, who took, they don't Luka, want to take like, that. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's unfair to Luca and Mina. If, if you go back a few months back on in ESPN, the magazine's next issue, Mina Kimes headline, I think it was Mina Kimes. So I apologize if it wasn't um, ESPN, the magazine's headline in their big profile. Luca Doncic was literally Luka Doncic is not the next Darko Milicic. And, and I, I think it's it's really unfair to to judge him to that level, especially because for every John Wall, for every Anthony Davis, there's a Kwame Brown. For every mm-hmm. you know, for every one of those guys, for every Steph, Stephen Curry, there's a Johnny Flynn. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, that was that was an intentional dig at at the at the Timberwolves. Um, but <laughs> uh, but like. To feel like I, I say this to people all the time. I, I've gotten a lot of. I've had in the past a lot of fans say Magic shouldn't take another Euro. You know, Hazonia failed. Vasquez never came over. I'm not touching any of those guys. And I'm literally like, look, their fail rate is just as high as the American fail rate. It's a, it's the same. There's just fewer European players coming over. So yes, those failures tend to stand out. But that shouldn't take you away from. That shouldn't be the reason you don't take Luka Doncic because this kid, 19 years old. MVP of EuroLeague, the second best league in the world. Yes, it's not like a full league like the NBA is, but this kid played against the best players in the world, played against men, not boys in college, men, and beat them and won a championship. How's that yep. how's that not something good? Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. And I mean, especially just considering how insanely like he is one of the younger players in this class. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where he'd rank in terms of that, but he is one of the younger guys um, that that's going to be coming to the NBA this year. And I, I mean, it's just insane to me that um, it, it, like that people aren't able to to fully contextualize just just what he's been doing over there, because I mean, you sure there have been some high profile bus to come over from Europe, obviously, just like there have been to come out of American colleges like that. Just it happens like it's not every player is going to hit like that. Some guys get overdrafted and especially in the uh, kind of earlier years where European guys are coming over at a higher rate, whether it's Darko or a Feely or or whoever and there was a little bit more mystery surrounding them and I don't think scouting was quite as like especially like for non-college players was quite as advanced as it is now those busts definitely exist but it just isn't indicative of who Luca is as a player at all it's completely irrelevant I mean like 
it's anyone i mean it's not even like lucas game film was hard to find you can just pull up on you i mean his games have been you can watch shown Euro on TV in America. Over the summer i mean he was playing against it i mean he there's there's a youtube highlight of him taking out christoph's porzingis and crossing him over right. time and time again i mean christoph's in the most mobile mobile defensive big but Lucas played against NBA comp- played against NBA level opponents and beaten them. I, I mean, if you're looking for a guy with, I mean, maybe he maybe he's closer to a ceiling. I, I don't know, but uh, I don't think he is. But uh, maybe he is. But this is a guy that 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 I that I think is going to make an immediate impact and make his team better because he's just such a smart player. He may not be the athlete that everyone thinks of uh, for an NBA player, but but he he knows how to work around it. He's he's a smart basketball player, and that matters too. Yeah, he's very crafty, and I think you know. I mean, the James Harden comparisons I think are like overall not great. I don't. I think they're very different players, but athletically, I think guys like James Harden, Paul Pierce, I think that's who you can look at to if you if that's something that helps you feel better about Luca, just as like precedent for a a player who kind of was limited in terms of overall like first step explosiveness, but kind of managed to compensate that with just craft uh, deceleration ability and just general like versatile shot making and touch. There have been plenty of NBA players like that that have succeeded in the past. And even if Luka doesn't end up being some dynamic one-on-one, like just crossing guys over uh, type of player, like I I still think the floor is pretty high just as like a Hito Turkoglu type. I mean, um, maybe that doesn't sound like a super sexy outcome for like a top two pick, but I think that would be like that is the exact kind of player you would love to have in your rotation in the modern NBA. Um, so I, I mean, if that's your floor outcome, which obviously you know that's maybe not what you're looking for with the top two pick, but I still think that's a great floor outcome, and and the ceiling is is obviously just through the roof as a guy who can um, play with or without the ball, just and do incredible things with it, shoot pass like almost no one this league has seen over the past few years um and yeah i just think that's an easy call at the top so so i think i think that next question then is of course because because there's rumors going around now um uh, i think real gm posted the rumor that orlando is among several teams trying to move up to the third spot where atlanta is supposedly kicking the tires on luka Doncic now that that it looks like sacramento is being sacramento and, and passing on him um uh, we'll talk about DeAndre Ayton. Uh, we may talk about DeAndre Ayton later. Um, but um, what are the chances that 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 Doncic a falls to six? I think those seem kind of low at this point. And B, what should should the Magic think about moving up and and and, and taking on? I guess what what would Atlanta have to offer? Schroeder, Kent Bazemore. Um, should the Magic be considering trading up? To go get Luka Doncic is 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 that is it is it worth taking on more salary, taking on maybe Chandler Parsons' salary even to get Luka Doncic? It's tough because I think just like it, it would depend. Like the deal would have to like obviously have some more mechanisms in it than that just to get sure. that salary to match. Um, so it, it would it would have to depend on the specifics. But just as far as um. Taking on some different bad money. Obviously, the Magic have their fair share of their own bad money, but taking on some different bad money um, to move up. I, I think just, I mean, for me, like I have Luca and Jaron Jackson in their own tier, like separate from everyone else. I think they are clearly the best players in this draft, and I don't think it's all that close. So if you can get from the sixth pick to the range where those guys will be available, I. I think you do it at nearly any cost. Like I, I think that's really, I, th- I think those two have 
pretty, at least for me, have pretty clearly separated themselves. So obviously it would depend on the specifics with the deal, but just in theory, taking on bad money at least over the next couple of years. I mean, it's not like the Magic, if they had cap space, are going to be some major free agency player in like 2019 or 2020, probably, presumably. Um, so I don't think there's a ton of opportunity cost there. So I would at least strongly consider that. So let's let's assume then that the Magic stay at six. Um, you know, we, we've, we've gone through a lot of the prospects uh, on, the, on the website on Atlanta Magic Daily, who's going to be available, um, you know, between Mo Bamba, Trey Young, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Mar- maybe Marvin Bagley III, you know, who, who knows who else, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, what to you, if, if, assuming the Magic stay put, what to you is the ideal, I guess, the, let, let's, let's, let's phrase it this way, ideal scenario Realistic scenario, so not Luka Doncic or Jaron Jackson falling to six unrealistically, but maybe they could. Who knows? This draft is this draft is crazy. Um, what is the most realistic ideal scenario for the Orlando Magic at six? Who would you who who do you think they should take? I would go Trey Young, and some people would probably disagree with that. Some I, I think he's a kind of a you know a hot button topic um, among Magic Twitter. Um, but I think that's exactly the uh, theoretical kind of player you would want to take with this pick. Just an upside swing at a guy who can potentially come in and just change your offense over the, over a few years. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to be an impact player right off the bat. Most rookie point guards are not. But just as a, as a guy who down the road can really just be that high-volume creator, that scorer, that playmaker for others i think that's exactly the kind of player that the magic need and i mean there's obviously a a risk that he's just unplayable defensively and he doesn't quite have the burst to 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 beat guys one-on-one whatever else Uh, there's definitely risk there um but it's it's if that if he hits and i think there is a good chance he hits just because of just his insane ability to pass the ball. Like, I think that's his biggest skill for me, at least. It's his passing. Um, and I think that is is really what you got to bet on with him because I, I think he can be a game-changing point guard. Honestly, I, I think I think we don't talk. I, I've said this, I think, in every radio appearance I've made about Trey Young. I don't think we talk enough about his passing. and I don't think we talk about his passing enough, honestly. Um, I think that um, I think that when it comes to Trey Young, um, if he didn't have that passing ability, I'd agree with all the criticisms about him that he isn't good enough defensively, that he's not going to be able to finish at the rim. And and I, you know, he's 19 years old. He had such a humongous burden uh, in in college for Oklahoma. What was it? A 36, 37 percent usage rate? Something something insanely in, insane. Like you, you're never going to see a guy. With a thir- I mean, Russell Westbrook, I think the year that he had the triple double had a 32 percent usage rate, and that was insane. Trey Young was was at thirty seven last year, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I, I think that you you scale that back a little bit. Um, that's 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 the first place to start. You scale that back a little bit um, because you'll have better players around him, and that passing ability to me uh, makes him so much more valuable than just being a shooter. I mean, honestly, that's probably what made Steph Curry go from kind of sideshow, oh he can shoot, to literally. The, one of the top five players in the league. And I'm not saying Trey Young's going to get there um, at all. I, I don't think he's the same as Stephen Curry. Um, but clearly, that's the skill that I think puts him over the edge and, and makes him into the potential all-star that he could be in the NBA. Because 
vision, passing. You, you just got to get timing and speed down at the pro level, and you'll be fine. Um, there's a guy that can get his shot off, that can, t- that can take shots from anywhere, is a threat to shoot from anywhere, and that's something the Magic have not only missed for the last six years during this rebuild, they've missed that for better for a better part of a decade, really since Tracy McGrady left. I mean, it feels like this is the exact kind of guy that puts everyone on your roster in the right place to begin with, which I think is a huge problem for the Magic, uh, and, and is a guy that makes everyone's life easier. And that's something that this team has really lacked, specifically on the offensive end, for a very, very long time. And, and I agree, if it, came, if it comes down to it, um, I've, I've faced this dilemma on several mock drafts that I've done. If Mo Bamba and Trey Young are both on the board together, I'm taking Trey Young. Yep, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I think Bamba is also a really good prospect. Um, they're not far away from each other on my board. Wendell Carter is also in that area. But, I mean, I, I mean, I just think what you have with Trey Young is, is, like I was saying, just the potential for an elite dynamic creator that just – few teams really have and that can really completely elevate your offense and I, I mean the magic have needed shot creation from anyone for so long it's it's the i mean the match is there like it's it's i think it, despite the risk i think it's the a very intuitive fit um and just looking around the internet i mean he's been getting mocked the magic pretty regularly by by other writers and it's not um, just a need thing it's it's he's the best player on the board like this isn't right, just the right, magic yeah. so desperately need a point guard they'll they'll take you know if 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 for some reason trey young chai gilgis alexander colin Sexton are all gone that they'll take jalen brunson at six this he's right. the best player on the board Right. Yes. Exactly. It's it's just for me the fact that the Magic have needed a point guard or a creator for so long. I, I think that just bumps them up even higher. Like it, it just makes it even more just sensible to to go for that because it's not just the point guard that you need. It's it's the upside swing that you need. It's 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 so many things that make that a just a, an intuitive pick for the Magic. I, I mean, I just. You know, it's it's not a super easy choice because, like we were saying, there's going to be other very good players available there. But I mean, I, I mean, for me, that's really what it comes down to—just that dynamic creation potential. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that the Trey Young thing brings up, I think, one of the more interesting aspects of this draft uh, when you kind of bring the microscope back. Um, you, you touched a little bit on Mo Bamba. He's obviously got that incredible wingspan of what seven measured at seven foot ten inches. Um, during the during the NBA draft combine, the the, lo- the longest wingspan they've ever measured at the combine. Um, he's obviously got a lot of natural shot blocking ability, but um, this draft is weird in that there are so many bigs at the top of this draft. And I think the one thing that we learned in the playoffs, not that any of the teams at the top are playoff teams, um, but the thing that we learned in the playoffs is how hard it is to have a big on the floor like a big's got to do very specific things it seems like to be successful in this league right now um is this is this draft kind of hard or weird to evaluate with 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 that in mind like how how do you like like looking back at the bigger picture of the nba this draft's obviously very talented but where does it fit in in team building in, in in a league that seems to be focusing more on perimeter players and isolating bigs on the perimeter it's really tough because it's like not all these bigs are going to become all stars. Like in the pre draft process, everyone wants to talk about ceiling outcomes and oh, this guy is the next Rudy Gobert and this guy is the next Al Horford and this guy is the next Shaquille O'Neal. 
chances are none of that is actually going to happen. Like, if you go draft by draft and look where these picks usually end up, they're probably not going to be all-stars. Remember like remember what NBADraft.net said about Deshaun Stevenson. What did they say about Deshaun Oh, you Stevenson? don't know about this? Uh, yeah, NBADraft.net, a longtime NBA site, um, they do player comparisons on their... Uh, on their uh, 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 page, uh, on their profile pages. And Deshaun Stevenson, it is still posted on the internet. Deshaun Stevenson's NBA comparison was Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I don't, I don't think so. That be careful out. with comparisons, kids. Right, yeah. So I think it's, it's important to be a little realistic about where a lot of these guys are probably going to end up. And I mean, that's fine. It's, it's not like these guys are likely to necessarily fail as players. It's just that they're also not very likely to become like all NBA caliber players. So uh, we already have a surplus in the NBA of sort of like middle class, upper middle class, big men um, to the point where it's like, it's, I mean, it's very evident, like financially in terms of trade value and free agent value and that sort of thing. So you throw all these guys out there and you're like, since there these guys are all going into the draft this year, we know that there's going to also, there, this glut isn't going away because we're still getting this influx of, of centers. And obviously they're developing more perimeter skills than they used to, like big men are, but um, it, it's still, a, the fact remains like, I mean, Mohamed Bamba, some people talk about him like he's going to be able to switch one to five. I really don't think he's going to be able to do that. Um, honestly, I don't think he has that kind of mobility. Um, so you're still going to be stuck with these centers that are maybe they're a little more switchable than they used to be. Maybe they have a little more shooting touch than they used to. But you're still dealing with like just basically traditional centers that aren't going to be great at guarding in space and like I said, that surplus already exists. It's going to continue to get worse. And just from like a trade value perspective, it's like you're not really going to be getting the same value out of that pick that you would if you selected a similar caliber wing player or a point guard player. So from a team building perspective, it, it's tough because, I mean, as you want to just take the most talented guy like point blank, but you also have to consider – like what value that guy's likely to bring positionally and where you might be able to find approximate value in free agency or through other drafts or even from bringing someone overseas. And I, I think just the fact that not only do we already have that surplus, but it's like the influx is continuing in this draft. It, it makes it a little more difficult for me to, to believe that we're really going to have like what, like four or five bigs taken in like the top 10, 11, 12? Like, I, I, I don't know. That seems kind of crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. And, and, and it's, it's interesting. I think, I think that uh, as I've looked at things, um, as I've looked at things, it, it's been really tough to, to judge the bigs in this draft. And, and, and particularly uh, Marvin Bagley III. I, we were talking about him a little bit um, before we started recording. Um, it, you know, I, I'll bring him in in this way. Um, Obviously, the Magic are looking to draft the best player available. I think even Jeff Weltman has, has indicated that or said it without saying it outright. That that you know they, they the team needs everything. They can't be picky. They got to take whoever's best on the board. But they obviously have Jonathan Isaac, who they just drafted. They have Aaron Gordon, who's a restricted free agent, and all indications are they'll bring him back. Does that mean the Magic should? look past Marvin Bagley III and Michael Porter Jr., or could they just 
throw throw everything into the pot and and figure it out later. Is it, what's what's the right strategy for the Magic, and, and are those guys worth pursuing that strategy at the end of the day? So obviously, like there's a certain point in the draft where you just take those guys no matter what, and maybe that's like the end of the lottery if the Magic end up having a pick there or, or whatever. But I think Michael Porter Jr. is a little bit better of a fit with those two than Bagley, just because he's clearly going to be the better shooter. Um, probably the better dribbler, but it's it's kind of hard to say at this point projecting forward um, just because I'm a little bit low on him there, a little bit higher on Bagley there. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, I like on my big board, I have Michael Porter Jr. at 11 and Bagley at 14, if I'm remembering correctly. Either way, they're both in that range. So I think if you're getting back there, like the 12, 13, like the back end of the lottery, you kind of just take them. But it's just... You, and you don't want to just draft for fit when you're in this position as a franchise, but you have to at least be like picturing what you're trying to build as a team. Like you have to at least have like an idea of like, okay, if we hold on to these guys, this is gonna make sense somehow. And if you have Bagley, Isaac, and Gordon, I have no idea how that makes any sense at all because you're gonna have three power forwards who can't really shoot very well, can't really pass very well. Um, and aren't like super adept ball handlers as far as like if they're gonna like run a pick and roll consistently and efficiently. I just and obviously Bagley is not gonna be able to defend at a high level. So I, I'm just not sure what you're stuck with at that point. If you are taking best player available, it's, it's like, I mean that, that that's great and that makes sense in theory. But it's like, what are you really constructing here with those three? And and with Porter, I think it makes a little more sense. Like I said, just because of Porter's shooting ability, but. It's still like these are all fours, and um, I don't think Michael Porter Jr. has really a defensive role. You're basically going to have to play Jonathan Isaac at center, and I'm not sure if that's what you want to do as like a starting lineup. And then if you don't do that, you have either Aaron Gordon playing the three again, and that's not great, and or you have Michael Porter Jr. playing the three again, which I don't think is good for him. So it's just... You want to take best player available when you're in this position as a franchise, but I mean, there are certain; those are really the two players in this draft where it just wouldn't make a lot of sense unless you're in the back end of the lottery. Sure. So, so I mean, you. I mean, I've I've jokingly said, but it may not be a joke. I've jokingly said the Magic. I've taken them off my board. Um, you know, I, I I've watched a little more Bagley uh, since since I kind of made that statement. And and he's a really good player. He's he's got so much athleticism, and he's 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 a great worker on the offensive glass. But um, I, I'm not building an offense around him. I'm not building a. De- he certainly can't build a defense around him because he's not a good enough defender. Um, so it's it's it. Bagley, I've just been out on, uh, frankly. Uh, I know people who really love him. He's probably going to go number two, so it's probably a moot point anyway. But um, I've just, I'm just not a fan of Bagley's fit. And and it, and like you said, you got to have some vision of what this team's going to look like at the end. You got to have some idea of what that end product is. And you know, I, I guess the next question would then be: Is is either of those players good enough? to let Aaron Gordon walk as a free agent and, and again, again, get nothing for him, which I, at this point I don't think is a huge issue for Orlando because they, they got to flip over the, they got to flip over the players that they don't want anyway. Um, but I, I think the biggest problem that the magic faced in their previous rebuild under Rob Hennigan was that they didn't have that particularity. They didn't, they didn't have a, a final vision of what the team was going to be. They just kind of collected a bunch of players, tried to mash them together and when things start, stopped working, they kind of panicked and didn't really have an idea of what they were actually trying to build into um, or whatever plan they had didn't work. And so I think 
Um, and I'm, I mean, please feel free to comment on this. Um, I kind of think that, that that Weltman is trying to avoid that question. Yeah, I, I agree. And another thing to, to keep in mind with that team be, team building vision concept is like not only is it about what the end product is going to be, but it's also how are these guys going to de- develop alongside each other? Because I, I think it's important just from a player development perspective to get guys early on into positions where they can be optimized and just to build confidence early on, learn what their strengths and weaknesses are basically and kind of fit into a, a role that makes sense for what they're going to probably do in their careers like throughout like while they play in the NBA um, I think you know the Celtics are a popular example for a lot of things but I, I think they've done a really good job of putting guys into really good positions from right off the bat letting them build confidence early on and I think that's paid dividends for them really quickly um, so I, I think it's just really tough for me to to say like um, like I mean maybe we pass on Bagley or Michael Porter Jr. and they end up being like a top three player in this draft and maybe it looks silly but it's also you're going to have to come back to the question of whether they would have become that in this specific situation where they have two where the magic of two other guys that play their position as well so I mean it's definitely a lot of things to consider and I don't think you can like bump those guys down too far just because of the the talent just the sheer talent that they have um, the athleticism that they have, like they're obviously good prospects, but it's just, I think for at least no matter where the magic pick in the top 10, at least there's probably going to be a better, like more sensible pick available to them. Yeah. That, that, that's kind of an interesting way to put it. Um, magic fans, uh, I think a player that's, that's probably more divisive than Trey young, even uh, for magic fans, at least has been Wendell Carter jr. Um, first off, what are, what are your impressions of Wendell Carter Jr.? Um, is that is that a direction the Magic should go if, say, Young and Bamba especially are off the board? So I'm really high on Carter just in general. I think he's really, really good. I think the defending in space stuff is a little bit overblown. I think he is actually more mobile than people give him credit for. Um, and, uh, you know, he's maybe not the the upside, like, um, super high profile pick that Trey Young would be, or even like Michael Porter would be, or, or whatever. But I just think there's a lot of value that the Magic could get from just taking a guy who's going to be good at basketball and is going to contribute stuff pretty quickly and for a long time. And I think that's what Carter's going to be, whether it's through his rebounding, his ability to stretch the floor. And I really believe in his shot. I think his mechanics are really fluid and tight and I think it's going to translate and I think his passing ability is also um, I think that's going to be a really major uh, key to his NBA value because I think he has some underrated versatility there just because he's going to be a guy that can you know make reads out of the post like David West or and he's also going to be a guy who can kind of make decisions on the move and make passes on the move, which I think is super valuable as like a pick and roll weapon. He can either pop and shoot or receive it near the free throw line and make a decision, hit a guy on the perimeter. Um, or he can, you know, attack a closeout, make a decision there on a drive. Cause I think he can dribble pretty well for his position. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways that he can be a really, really valuable center because that specific intersection of things, when you also take into account his defense, which might not be, you know, he's not Mohamed Bamba there. He's not Jaron Jackson there, but I think he's good there. I think when you intersect all those things, that's an incredibly rare player. And he might not have the MVP ceiling that maybe a lot of Magic fans are looking for. But like I said, I just think there's a lot of value to just taking a guy who's 
going to be good at basketball and is going to, I think it would theoretically be a great fit with Jonathan Isaac, um, if nothing else. And yeah, I, I just think that would be, you know, I would take Trey Young over him. Like I said, I would take Jaron and Luca as well, but I still think that would be, I don't think that would be a bad pick at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think, uh, I'm not quite sure why Magic fans are so against Carter. I mean, just just even mentioning his name seems to set off Twitter Twitter battles. Um, but um, I think I think I mean I think part of it is is this fan base is really star hungry. Um, that's I think one of the big reasons why there's so much debate and hand wringing over tanking. Yes, if the Magic had maybe lost that last game, they'd be sitting in three. But in position to draft Luka Doncic, which is apparently the guy that that, that they really want, uh, and none of this would matter. Um, that that's absolutely true. But um, by the same token, if they had won three more games, they'd be sitting at two. So that's neither here nor there. Um, but uh, but I, I think this fan base is really star hungry. Um, they know that to win in this league, you need a guy who's going to be a star. Um, Aaron Gordon isn't clearly defined yet. Jonathan Isaac certainly isn't defined yet. Uh, and I, I definitely sense that everyone saw this draft and how good it is and say, we need to go get our guy. We need to go get the guy that's going to lead this team uh, to the next level, to the next, uh, to, you know, be the face of this franchise, essentially. And that's certainly a reason to draft Trey Young. I've, I've kind of joked with people that, you know, if the Magic draft Trey Young, they will guarantee, I, I'm, I would put the over under at three and a half. Uh, national TV games. I, I think they will get three national TV games, or at least I would put it at two and a half, say two or three national TV games right off the bat just because they have Trey Young. They might get a TNT game because they have Trey Young. Um, that's not a reason to draft him, but that speaks to, I think, fan perception about what they can get from this draft. And, and Wendell Carter Jr., despite all his skills, despite how good I think he is, and you think he is clearly, um, he's just, he's solid at a lot of things. But he's not spectacular at anything. At least he didn't show that he was spectacular at anything at Duke. And, you know, maybe he's just a really solid role player. Maybe he's what everyone imagined Tristan Thompson should be for the Cavs. That's still valuable. That's not a bad thing to have. That's not a bad thing to be. But I think the expectation in this draft is for the Magic to go out and get a star and get that central piece. Um, I mean, it seems like the Magic can do that. But is it something that they need to take a deep cut and make sure that they do this year. Yeah, I mean, it depends on who's available because I, I absolutely understand, and I was talking about, in theory, like the, the philosophy of taking like an upside swing in this draft. I think that makes sense. So I understand like why everyone is like star-hungry, but it, it depends on who's available because I don't think you should kind of reach for like lower probability upside when you have a guy who's just going to be good, like readily available to you. Um, so it, it depends on who's there because, like I said, Trey, Jaron, Luka, I'd take all of them before before I'd take Carter. But, I mean, it's – I don't know. I, there's going to be more drafts. Like I, I don't think you should reach down, like I said, for lower probability upside just to get a star right now or a potential star right now or a guy who can think theoretically be a star but probably won't be a star. Um, uh, so I think there's a certain point where you just kind of take the guy who's going to be good and uh, if you take a star in a future draft, Wendell Carter does not prohibit you from doing that at all. Like he's a great guy that can fit alongside. I think his ideal pairing actually in, in the NBA is going to be like a volume, like pick and roll player who um, 
uh, might draw traps and really like aggressive defensive attention and is going to have to like have some pick and roll short and that sort of thing and have multiple other ball handlers to to kind of like alleviate that that load in certain situations and give you that versatility on on, on offense um so I, I mean like i said i you know i understand why people want just a total home run swing here but I mean, Carter doesn't prohibit you from doing that in the future, and I don't think you should kind of reach for, like, I, I would say Michael Porter Jr., who I think is a very, very significant risk and also not a great fit. I don't think you should make that reach when a guy like Carter is available. Yeah, and, and I think it's important for Magic fans to remember, too, that um, the Magic do have a lot of problems. You're not going to fix them all in one summer. Like, I think you and I both agree Trey Young would fix a lot of problems. Um, like I said, I think he's the kind of player... Um, if he if he even begins to scratch his potential as a rookie, puts everyone in the right spot. I mean, because the ball will be in his hands. Evan Fournier can play off him. Aaron Gordon can play off him. Uh, you know, he'll have more room to shoot. Uh, I think I think it just makes a lot of even if the Magic keep Nikola Vucevic. Honestly, I think if you add Trey Young and don't change a thing about the roster, um, and they're healthy. You're going from probably what's really a 32 win team to like a 38, 39 win team. I think he, I think he could have that big of an impact, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so in on Trey Young because I think he, he, he fits what the roster is now and what the roster should and could be in the future. Um, but regardless of that, I, I do think that it's re- realistic to say that Orlando is going to be right back in this kind of range. You know, you hope maybe they're picking eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh next year. But they're going to be back probably, I mean, more likely than not, they'll be back in this lottery again next year looking to add another nice player to the team. Uh, and if things go really south, which they, we've seen how quickly they can, they could be back at the top. They could finally win the lottery and then everything's working out again, right? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, I I think it's pretty clear that this is like next year isn't going to be the year where all of a sudden everything is magically fixed and turned around. No matter like we take in this draft, it's not going <laughs> to, yeah, it, no matter who the magic take, it's not going to just magically, you know, turn around overnight. So I think there needs to be like consideration for, you know, the fact that there's going to be more draft, there's going to be more draft picks coming in the future. Um, so I, it's not like we have to, the magic have to keep have to just like satisfy everything right now, turn it all around right now. There's not really that kind of urgency with with this franchise. At least there shouldn't be, like in theory, in terms of like how the magic are going to be building this team. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, next year's class doesn't really look all that great, and that's something I've I've kind of factored in when I'm when I've been like kind of trying to think what the best approach to this draft would be. But, I mean, there's going to be a draft after that as well. And, you know, like every year, there's going to be risers late in the process. Um, so next year could end up looking a lot better than it looks right now. But, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's it's not uh, even like maybe Trey Young. I think just having like a creation option, like you were saying, just someone who can make good decisions with the ball consistently and like shoot. I think just even if Trey Young isn't even scratching the surface of his potential, um, I think just having that is going to pay dividends right off the bat. I don't know if it's going to be a seven win difference, but it's going to make things look less ugly if nothing else. Um, so there is potential for a, you know, a brief, like a small turnaround there. But overall, I don't think the Magic are going to be strangers to the lottery in the near future. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Um, obviously, as we're recording this on uh, on Wednesday night, so if, if, if this is, feels a little dated, we apologize. But 
Um, as we're recording this on Wednesday night, there's plenty of rumors going around about the Magic possibly trying to trade up to the third spot and take Luka Doncic among many teams. Again, who doesn't want him? But um, there's also plenty of conversation about the Magic maybe trading back. Um, you know, the, the Clippers picks at 12 and 13. I've targeted Philadelphia at 10 and, and one of their later, and they, I think they have a pick in the 20s as well as a potential trade back partner. Um, there's obviously maybe some other avenues as well, but without going maybe into spe- trying to construct specific deals, let's talk more generally about maybe the middle of this first round to, to the end of this first round. Who who there who's there that that you really like or, or that that would be worth if if there's if the Magic don't like their options at six or can get something to move off of six, who's there in the middle of the first round that you really like that that the Magic could pursue? I am a huge fan of DeAnthony Melton. I'm also a huge fan of Eli Okobo. S- uh, some would say maybe middle of the first round is a little bit of a reach for both of those guys, considering I know a lot of people have them mocked or ranked in the early second. I have them um, right around 10, like um, one a little bit higher than 10, one a little bit lower than 10. Um I think those would be the guys, if you're drafting in the middle of the first, late in the first, in the 20s, absolutely should be getting considered. I mean, both of them, I think, are maybe more combo guard types than, you know, the point guard that, like, Trey Young is. Um, But I still think they can bring a lot of value as ball handlers and just decision makers and passers, even if they aren't at Young's level in those areas. But, I mean, Elio Kobo, I mean, the, the two are very different players. I'll, I'll say that right off the bat. But Okobo just as a guy who can just pull up from basically anywhere on the floor, um, be that volume pick and roll scorer that this team needs and just make shots from every level and finish over guys. I think he has a lot of potential there. And DeAnthony Melton is just an absolute defensive stud just in terms of his ability to jump passing lanes. His instincts are absolutely ridiculous. He's, I think, gotten a little bit underrated as an athlete, just a guy who's able to, to really elevate and hang in, in, in the air for chase down blocks and dunks and um, just move his feet really quickly as well. I think he's pretty explosive. I mean, both those guys, even if they aren't like you know necessarily going to be the 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 superstar uh, p- prospect that Trey Young seems like he could be, um, I think those would be the two guys that I've targeted there. Yeah, um, where where do you fall on on Kevin Knox uh, and, and what he can do? He, he, I mean, he's he was obviously he obviously came into Orlando. I think he's a guy that's that's climbed on some some at least media based draft boards. Uh, and and you know seems to have slotted into to one of those two Clippers picks at twelve thirteen, which um, you know could be a potential trade partner. Of course, um, what what do you think of his game? Is is he someone worth pursuing, or does he does he is he a little too redundant for what the Magic already have? I think he's a little redundant. I mean, not redundant, just in the sense that he's. I mean, he's. I think he's his shooting is probably his strongest skill, and the Magic don't really have a ton of that. So there is that going for him. But I I think right now for him, a lot of his allure is mostly just theoretical than like actualized. Um, I mean, I don't think he's he can really defend (laughs) pretty much any position at this point. He's very light. He has a high center of gravity. He doesn't move super well in space. Um, He's very disappointing in terms of like physicality and um, instincts and awareness on on that end of the floor. And offensively, um, he doesn't really do a lot besides, and his role at Kentucky is pretty much limited to this, but I don't really see him as having the, 
like you know the passing decision making ball handling potential to do a lot more but i mean he's pretty much just the kind of guy who's gonna run off of like down screens and um that sort of thing shoot a little bit off movement for mid-range jumpers maybe threes as well and just kind of be really hard to guard there because of his high release point um and relatively quick release um so i think that kind of guy is is pretty intriguing in theory especially i mean considering his athletic strengths which i think some people have overrated a little bit but i mean i can i can see how people would juxtapose those two together and and create like a, a theoretical upside out of it but um yeah overall like i i just don't really see it with him in, in terms of just two-way value and creation value he's kind of just a, a power forward to me and i don't know how many more of those the magic need yeah, I, I agree, and, and, and I watched Knox play, and it, it, his game's very, very rough around the edges, I, I would agree. Um, what about Shy gilgis What about the other point guards? Um, obviously, point guard's been, been a big position of need for Orlando. I think it's a, it's a position a lot of people focused on. Um, are Shy gilgis alexander or Colin Sexton worth trading down for? Um, I think, okay, Shy gilgis alexander I would... I have him higher than Sexton on my board. I like him a little bit more. I think he's a lot of athletic potential for sure. He's a good spot-up shooter. I think his pull-up shooting is very, very suspect, and especially considering that's going to be an important part of his game as a potential lead ball handler. Um, but, you know, given the length, the size, I think he's a little bit overrated defensively just because of 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 the you know the physical traits. I don't think he's quite there yet in terms of, impact and just you know sort of aggressiveness and physicality there but um he's still a good defensive prospect for sure um and you put that alongside his ability to shoot the ball and um potentially shoot off the dribble as well he's not really there yet like i said but i think he's a very interesting prospect that i would not mind at all uh, the magic selecting at 12 or 13 if they traded down to, to that range or even at 10 potentially um colin sexton um i'm not really as high i mean i absolutely get why some people are all in on him just because of the competitiveness and you know um just the kind the energy that he brings i just think that energy kind of manifests itself in in some negative ways in terms of the decisions he makes with the ball just in terms of you know his passes his drives and and just kind of how he is defensively i, I don't really see him as as having like uh, kind of the way i phrased it like a big reason why i'm not that interested in him is that at his 110th percentile outcome like he's not ever going he's not going to be as good as russell westbrook like, let's yeah, get that yeah. right off the bat yeah, yeah like let's like and that's I'm, sexton's I'm playing style that, <laughs> yes yeah so i'm not comparing these guys apple to apples but just in terms of like who they are as players like they aren't going to scale well alongside another ball handler they're going to need the ball in their hands a lot to contribute anything of value and when they have the ball in their hands a lot you're going to end up with a lot of like bad things and that's going to be ugly turnovers some really bad shots and just some stuff that is just incredibly frustrating and the same thing is going to happen on the defensive end of the floor where you can see the athletic potential there um and just you know the the physicality there and the sort of mentality thing but you're not actually getting a lot of value because there's too much like erraticness going on um, so I think there's definitely some comparisons to be drawn there. I don't think they're even in the same stratosphere athletically, but um, just in terms of who they are as players, I'm a little bit turned off by him. But at the same time, if you're like, you know, in the 15 to 20 range, I think that's a perfectly fine pick to just say, hey, if nothing else, this guy's going to be able to handle the ball for us for a while and maybe 
bring some, you know, like ha- bring forth some sort of good cultural infusion, just get guys to play harder. So I think that's a sensible pick there, but I wouldn't probably take him in the lottery. Let's let's move on then to the to the uh, the second round picks. Orlando currently slated to pick thirty fifth and forty first. The forty first pick, of course, coming from that infamous Alfred Payton trade. Uh, but um, who 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 should what should the Magic be looking at with those second round picks? Um, I'm I'm someone that believes you should try and get someone that can contribute. Um, maybe take a swing if if, if it makes sense there. But um, I think these picks are just as important as not as important, but. Very important, too, that Orlando has to get quality players with these second-round picks, even if it's someone that they park in the G League for a year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's tough to say who's even going to be available there, honestly, because I think so much can happen, like, after basically after the first pick. Like, there are a lot of things that just wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, Okobo and Melton, either of them could easily be available, so obviously I, I would take them in a heartbeat. Um, I think Jared Vanderbilt is a guy who obviously has some checkered past has a checker pass medically. Um, so obviously you'd want to make sure he's got a good chance to be healthy. And if he does have a good chance to be healthy, I think he could be one of the steals of this draft just in terms of his athleticism, his versatility as a small ball five that can handle the ball and pass and, you know, protect the rim, defend all five positions. I like him a lot. Probably a guy that does start in the G league, maybe a two way kind of guy, but I think, if he does, if he's able to stay on the floor, just combine all those skills with his motor, I think that could be a, a really, really great steal um, right there. Um, as far as other guys potentially available in that range, I mean, Jerome Robinson is a guy who's apparently going to go in the lottery all of a sudden. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> yeah, um, seriously. I mean, he's, 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 he's interesting, but he's not going to yeah. have the ball in his hands nearly as much as he did in Boston College. Right. So I thought I was high on him for having him at like 34, like in the 40s. I I don't even know what's going on there anymore, (laughs) to be honest. But if he does end up being available with one of the second round picks, which I think that's a realistic range for him. um, I think that would be an interesting pick just as a kind of a Will Barton type that's going to hurt you defensively a lot, but is also going to be able to run a secondary pick and roll, you know, score a little bit off the bench, shoot off movement. I think he's going to be interesting there. Um, As far as other guys, I mean, I've, come around to Bruce Brown and Josh, Josh Okoji recently for, for different reasons. I think Josh Okoji is, is going to be a – he's kind of a little bit of an upside swing, but he's got the frame and length to be a, a good 3 and D guy. Bruce Brown, no 3, lots of D. Yes. Um, he's got gr- – <laughs> I, 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 will, got- I will say this about Bruce Brown. Um, I have never – I did I did a draft profile on him over the weekend. I have never pulled up one of those draft highlight videos – and seen nothing but steals and defensive plays for like the first minute and a half, two minutes. And and honestly, like that's a like that's not a bad thing because defense is the toughest thing to teach. You either yeah, I mean, really, you either know how to play defense or you don't. And Bruce Brown Jr. does seem to know how to play defense. The kid just cannot shoot. Yeah, and that's really tough. Like I and I I had I mentioned this in my big board post. If you're if you're a, not a big man and you can't shoot. Like just right off the bat, it's going to be hard for you in the NBA. Like it's things are working against you. Um, but I do think with him, you're kind of betting on if you select him in the second round, you're kind of betting that he'll he'll be at least passable as a shooter. And just the defense in terms of not only I think his instincts are really good, like in terms of being able to get steals, play help defense, that sort of thing. But I think he's going to be a really good one-on-one defender. Um, he's got enough quickness. I think he's got he's he's very strong. Like physically, I think he's got that going for him. 
He's got good height, good length. Nothing that really like jumps off the page necessarily, but um, I think you know he's been getting um, I guess some interest from the Celtics recently. I guess those are the rumors, and I think that that's usually be a good their... sign. <laughs> yes, that should definitely. If good be a teams good are interested sign. in you, that's usually a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and I think I think that tells you a lot right there about about kind of who he is as a player and what he might be able to do in the NBA. So, those are a few guys I'd probably be considering with that other pick. And I guess I should also mention Javon Carter, who I think a lot of Magic fans are interested in as just sort of like a hustle guy and a point guard. So, I, I definitely have the interest there. My only thing with him is, and I kind of feel this sim, a similar way about Jalen Brunson, is I don't see them ever being more than a backup point guard, which is fine. Like that's for second good. round pick, that's fine. I mean, yeah. Yes, you need, but you need, you need to hit singles, it. and if, if you can stretch it out to a double, you've done really well. Right, yeah. I, I just don't necessarily see a lot of value in that for the Magic at this specific point in time. Um, I mean, you know, if they if they, if they hit, like, that's great, but it's just, I, I think that's, I think backup point guards in that mold are, are pretty replaceable. Uh, so, I, I like so I, I feel like that's something that a winning team would want right now, someone who could use a little bit of depth there, like, in the next couple of years. I don't think the Magic are that kind of team. So, I, I just don't really see that as being the pick, but I think there's, there's still guys to keep in mind just because of the position they play, and they're clearly very talented and hard workers, so... Yeah, I, I would I would consider them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I'm I'm a big Josh Okogie guy. I think he'll be gone by the time the Magic pick at 35. Um, I think he he's a really interesting option, especially as a backup point guard, as kind of a scoring lead guard. Um, it has great defensive instincts too, which I think uh, which is why he's probably rising. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I'm really intrigued with Anthony Simons. I think that's especially if you have two second round picks. Um, I think that. You can take maybe a chance on Simons and say, you know, we'll 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 park you in Lakeland for a year. Just go play in Lakeland, get better. Um, but he's a really athletic wing. Uh, he's shown, I think, he's shown some ability to to hit jumpers off the dribble. Um, if he can develop more as a point guard, I think that makes him even more valuable. And so maybe that's a that's a little bit of a risk that the Magic might be able to take. Uh, second round, uh, the, I mean, uh, another second round guy that, that you didn't mention that I'm really intrigued with as well is Melvin Frazier of Tul- uh, from Tulane. Another guy who already established his, his bona fides as a, as a defensive player. Again, I think that's something that just translates. Um, you, can, you can get there. Uh, you can come to the league and make an impact immediately. Um, but he's got to improve his jumper. Um, you know, these, a lot of these guys seem like Wesso Wundu clones uh, in, in some way. Um, but, um, you got imp- I mean, it, it, you got to be able to improve your jumper. There's a reason these guys are going in the second round. So you're not getting a perfect prospect. Um, and, and so that's interesting too. You'll notice there aren't a lot of bigs here at the end of the draft. I think this is something we were discussing on the Slack channel earlier today. Uh, the bigs really drop off after that top pick. Uh, and so Orlando is going to have, you know, a, a, a lot of wings and a lot of guards to look at here. Um, the, the, the other guy that I would definitely think about in the second round, probably more with 41 than 35, uh, if they stay there, I'm still a fan of Rodion's Kuriks from uh, Latvia. He plays for, uh, FC Barcelona. He played most of the year on their second division team. He still needs a lot of time to develop. He still needs, uh, some, some playing time to be frank. He just, he just isn't playing a lot over there. Um, if they're looking for a, a guy to stash, I would pick him up. He's 6'8". I think he's he was listed at 6'8 last year. I think he's grown to 6'9", 6'10". He's got really good athleticism, can finish above the rim. Uh, just just really unrefined right now, but he's got a decent jumper. Um, still kind of lear- again, still kind of learning the finer points of the game. But if the Magic are looking for a guy to stash, I would I would draft him at 41 or, or buy a pick to keep to draft him and, and kind of park him 
over in Barcelona, or even if, if it makes sense, bring him over to Lakeland, have him play at Lakeland for a year. Uh, and, and just get more playing time at, at higher, competi- uh, higher competition levels. Um, he seems like a really intriguing guy to me. I, I, I did a profile on him last year uh, when the Magic were picking at 25. He has first-round talent. He just hasn't been able to play yet, and he's, I think, 19, almost 20 years old now. Um, so it, it, he's going to stay in this draft, it looks like, and uh, perhaps, perhaps um, some team uh, will, will have the patience to, to let him grow. Um, is there is there anyone else that that you would look at as well as uh, the foreign? I mean, not a lot of international prospects. I think Elia Kobo, uh, Zanin Musa, and Rodion's Kurix are really it among international prospects uh, that that are that are expected to go in in the first you know forty picks of this draft. Yeah, you could throw Isaac Bonga. Into Isaac that Bonga, mix. yeah, that's right. I, so, some people are really high on him. I, I just don't really see it as much. Um, he's I, I think he's another one of those more theoretical guys than actual guys at this point. Um, I don't know. Maybe he becomes something someday. Just not really a pick I would make, probably. Um, as far as other guys, potential second round choices. I mean, Kenrich Williams is one guy who it's not really much of an upside play, but um, he's. I think he's going to be very good. Um, I think he's. I, I mean, he's not like necessarily some kind of like athletic super. You know, like I said, upsidey wing player. But I think he's just a guy who kind of knows how to play and is going to be really solid. Um, I mean, Shake Milton is one who is just. He's kind of a guy that's just going to be able to shoot and is going to probably be able to defend. And there's value in that for sure. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I mean, especially once you get – I think for me on my board, the talent really drops off after 35. So it's a little bit tough to say. I mean, um, I guess if I had to throw one more name out that I think will definitely be available there, it will be Vince Edwards just because I think he's gone a little bit underrated just because he's another one of these older prospects. But he's got a lot of the skills that you look for with wing prospects just in terms of his ability to dribble, shoot, pass, and defend – um, I, like I said, at that point in the draft, if you can find a guy who can do those things, I think you just straight up take him. Um, so uh, yeah, other than that, I think once you get, get, once you get past 35, it's a little bit of a dip. Um, but, um, yeah, there, there should be some interesting options. Yeah. And of course that's just talking about the prospects. There's going to be a lot going on just as we're recording this more reporting coming out that the magic are aggressively trying to trade up, uh, are, are looking into aggressively trading up to get the third pick to draft Luka Doncic, which, um, you know, I don't want to judge anything until a deal is on the table. Uh, but as we both said, Luka Doncic might be the best player in this draft. So uh, the Magic are keeping busy. Uh, they'll have plenty of, plenty to do before the NBA draft kicks off at 7 o'clock. That'll be on ESPN. I'll be at the Amway Center, so I'll have plenty for you on Locked On Magic tomorrow about the draft. Ricky, where can everyone find you on Twitter to yell about yell at you about your big board and tell you how wrong your draft takes are? <laughs> well, please come find me and tell me how wrong I am uh, at at Scricka One. That's S C R I C C A One. And you know, I'm I'm writing at Orlando Magic Daily all the time. I'm writing at Nylon Calculus now as well. So you'll always be able to find my stuff there. And yeah, just just follow me on Twitter and and, and yell at me for something. Feel free. That's what Twitter's there for. And, and Ricky, you have done an amazing job with draft coverage all year long. You did some very detailed profiles in the middle of, uh, during the season. Uh, as, as, it, as it appeared, the Magic were going to fall out of the, out, or already out of the playoff race and in the conversation for one of the top picks. 
Um, I've learned a lot from reading your stuff. Uh, you did you did a great job with those. You did a great job with your analysis uh, of the of the draft, and and you've been a great resource for for this time of year. I want to thank you for coming on here and spending this hour with us to get us ready for the NBA draft. I hope everyone listening is ready now for Thursday's NBA draft because after after seven o'clock, uh, all this doesn't matter. And now it's about okay. What can you do for me now? It's 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 about getting the guy on the team and figuring out how to use him and 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 grow him and and uh, get him ready at, at least for summer league at the very beginning, uh, which of course is in July. Um, but that's going to do it for me. You can of course follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com for the latest NBA draft. We'll have uh, we'll hopefully be keeping track of rumors. You'll probably be better following that at OmagicDaily. I'm I'm not going to be able to to post anything new until until the draft starts, but we'll have the final Orlando Magic Daily Mock Draft. That'll be my mock draft, so um, I'll, I'll predict what's going to happen. This episode will be up there as well, and of course, all of our player draft profiles should be linked in the mock draft as well, so you should be able to check out um, all the information on all the draft picks that we have done. So definitely, definitely, definitely peruse and click on the links throughout Orlando Magic Daily to get yourself ready for the NBA Draft. But that's going to do it for me tonight. I want to thank you all again for listening. I want to thank Ricky again for joining for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Philip Rossenreich. We'll see you all again next time, probably live from the Amway Center or pre-recorded from the Amway Center after the NBA draft. Have a good draft, everybody. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.